So this occasion has been made possible again. And uh, yeah, but Janine Sako has put a lot of effort into trying to find a way to get a more uh, suitable um, internet connection. So he's rigged up something on a kind of temporary basis that hopefully will get, get us through this session. <laughs> and we hope that things will get steadier in the future, but who knows the future. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this evening I want to talk about, uh, of course, about the mind. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, the horror and the beauty of it. <laughs> the incredible agitation of it and the uh, sweetness and uh, freedom of it, possibilities moving from one to the other. And here's a couple of keynote verses. Um, they're, both, they're both metaphors, poetic. First from the Sutta Nipata, 7.21 really referring to to the mind. What is empty makes a noise. What is full is ever quiet. The fool is like a half full barrel. The wise one is like a lake. So here the word empty is not the kind of sunyata, uh, blissful emptiness. It means is, you know, it's uh, no value in it shallow. What is empty makes a noise. It's got no depth in it. What is full is ever quiet. The fool is like a half full barrel. The wise one is like a full lake. And uh, a similar theme in Dhammapada and in reverse, less, somewhat less attractive the sound of it. it says, uh, this is 134, I think. When muffled as a broken gong, you don't reverberate. You've reached Nibbana. The turmoil of recrimination has ceased in you. When you don't reverberate, when your mind isn't reverberating, then the turmoil has ceased in you. That's recognizing how the mind does reverberate, does get stirred, does get um, agitated by sights, sounds, uh, touches, thoughts, and of course, with our thinking mind, with the capacity to generate a world of possibles, a world of future, a world of past, a world of other people, a world of what we should be, ought to be, could be, won't be. A world based upon our sense of nervousness or fear, anxiety, sorrow, um, confusion. And so this mind, which could be a treasure, can be an incredible, um, like a whip beating us. And it reverberates as it stirs up, it gets more agitated and it continues to operate in this, this way. And then people get their mind, they lose their mental equilibrium, as people do, unfortunately. The mind uh, just keeps reverberating and stirring itself up. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is what call it reverberation. Um, and just to bear in mind that, uh, of course, you know, the Buddha certainly uh, was resonant. It could be, be moved. His teaching is based upon resonance and comfort. The ability to sympathize, to resonate. And ukampa itself means the word means to tremble. But it's not trembling with agitation, it's trembling with compassion. And what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Well, one is uh, the reverberation is associated with various kinds of sense contact, including the contact of the mind organ, manas. Resonance is associated with the quality of chitta, heart. The heart of the Buddha, unrestricted, unrestricted by defilement, unrestricted by perception, boundless, unrestricted by consciousness, unrestricted by feeling. The Tathagata dwells with unrestricted chitta, chitta released. This is chitta. And... uh, uh, now, unfortunately, <laughs> in our translations, both these words, uh, one is mind organ manas, is the mind organ, and jitta, they're both translated by the English word mind, so it's naturally rather, can, can be very confusing at times. So if we want to, just for the sake of this discourse, and this talk, I'll talk about jitta as heart, or awareness, all words are really uh, just signs and signals and are called manas mind organ so and these are t- can be seen as two aspects of mind not really two different minds they're two aspects of mind and we might liken it perhaps to manas I'm thinking of the organ of the eye manas would be the iris that causes the pupil of the eye to dilate or contract it does this and the eye scans around and it, when it sees something, it focuses on it. And you see it focuses on it, the, the pupil narrows and it gets a focus upon it. Like that, yeah? So we will recognize that activity of the eye. Now that, doing that, this is what manas is about. It helps us to see an object clearly. You know, in this way, uh, mental attention also scans around and finds something that it's attracted to or disturbed by, or, and it focuses on it, so it narrows down upon that. This is the organ of the manas, which is a natural function. A jitta we might liken to the retina, that which the light falls upon it, not just the retina, but how, how this impression of light uh, is, is rendered. So it's much more the quality of vision. Whereas manas is to do with focus, jitta is to do with overall vision. Now you could say that in terms of um, ordinary functioning, you you need need both. You need to have a focus on an object and then you can't have vision without that. If we're looking at the sense world, No, just so that gives you perhaps a little model. Manas, which can form a focus, or is the focus, 
and jitta, that which is the vision, or the visionary aspect, the faculty of seeing. Uh, now that analogy is simple, but it's not entirely accurate, <laughs> because of course uh, this jitta and manas are very much a pair, or two aspects of the same thing, and why manas does the focusing is because jitta tells it to. In this case, I use the example of uh, uh, jitta being the boss who sits in the office. She or he sits in the office. The secretary is manas. And jitta says, go out and get me something to eat, you know, or get me this. And manas runs out into the world and brings something back. So manas is the organ. And jitta sits, it always sits inside. It doesn't go out. Manas goes out to sense objects. Jitta drives it out because it's hungry and wants something. Therefore, it runs out and tries to get hold of something and brings it back. And what it's looking for fundamentally is pleasure and stability. And of course, the, um, the long story is that we do get a degree of pleasure and stability in sights, sounds and so forth. But not much. Uh, so because of that, uh, the uh, manas jitta uh, come up with a world of thought, an idea, which isn't so much dependent upon sights and sounds, you know, you know, which clearly we don't have much say over, but we can think and plan and dream and create. And this, well, yeah, so let's create something pleasant, agreeable, comfortable, interesting, stimulating, uh, whatever, uh, and sit in that. Um, so that's what happens. Um, of course, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's the sort of um, reflex that occurs. And so the mind as an organ is the one organ that doesn't shut down. You know, we can close our eyes, and so forth, but you can't close the mind organ, not, not normally anyway, normal person, so it's always open. Uh, but uh, in searching for this sense of pleasure, comfort, stability, and not finding it, and then trying to come up with qualities that will provide that, um, it gets very stressed. And therefore it comes up with feelings, it comes up with... Uh, frustration like why can't i get why can't i fulfill my wishes yeah i've got this great idea why doesn't it happen why don't people listen to me why don't they why does she get in my way why doesn't he behave like i want him to why doesn't this that and the other so therefore this stirring up as these projections of the mind start to play out onto the world around us or our own body or mind and it doesn't come up with the satisfaction that we're seeking. And the untrained mind just keeps going and, and getting agitated with what we call the whip, the whip of should be. <laughs> a should be and supposed to be and you ought to be are like whips that come down on the heart. You should be, ought to be. Why isn't it? You know, so you can feel this whipping effect that gets enacted upon us. Yeah, and so this is the reverberation, the stirring up of of uh, 
complaining or feeling hard done by or it's not fair or why don't people listen or I don't see why I should do that and this, and this kind of thing goes on. I want to be comfortable and stable and happy and why aren't you doing this and this that and the other and this makes the jitta very confused and agitated because it's always searching for something in manas and manas can't provide it looking looking into either its own material which is thought and uh, or its own functioning which is the focus on the senses so manas focuses on sight sound touch and so forth and tries to assemble a reality that feels comfortable if you walk around in your world there's many things you could potentially see that you don't see you see you see the door you see the keys, you see the phone, you see the particular thing that's going to get you where you want to go. And the rest of it is sort of like, yeah, background. So it's a very selective organ, isn't it? What our world is, is very much a selection of sense data. And the selecting is done through what well, Chitta asks for a selection and Manas performs a selection. And attention, as you know, is only... 10% of what we can potentially see or hear or think about. Yeah. But our world gets built on that. Uh, and it's a very fragile world. So the mind organ has to keep active to make this happen and it can't quite achieve the results that it wants. And so therefore it gets, the chitter gets this unhappy quality unhappy quality not contented so then it stirs up the mind organ what's going wrong and it finds something to complain about or somebody to complain about or it complains about itself yeah <laughs> or it craves something yeah because uh, the chitta is not contented and it's still searching <laughs> in the wrong direction for where that could be yeah because, of course, a lot of the time that, that's what's promised. If you buy one of these, you'll be happy. If you vote for me, you'll be, everything's going to be wonderful. You know, if you go to this place, things will be just what you want. You eat in this restaurant, it'll be good and so forth. That's the story of it. This will make you secure and it doesn't work. So we're all inducted into this particular worldliness. And the mind is running out, it's seeking something. Unfortunately, it empties a lot of the mental energy. The energy of chitta is depleted by that. It's running out. It's depleted. As it's depleted, it feels hungry and needy. And when I want, you know, I really feel bad. I want to feel good. And it still keeps looking in the wrong direction for where that can come from. And this is where addiction takes over of various kinds. You know, media addiction, food addiction, you name it still searching in the wrong place. So this is the, you know, and experiencing more and more suffering and the mind whipping the heart with this craving and agitation and irritation and disappointment. And the nature of it is that manas can always find something to blame that on. It's, very, it's a very agile organ. Yeah. 
And so when we look with, a, with an irritating heart, we can find something to irritate us. When we look with a craving mind, we can find something to crave. And if we don't get it, we can feel disappointed. Yeah. So this is the, the fact jitta and manas together create the problem. Yeah. Jitta because it's not contented and it's still looking in the wrong direction. And manas because it builds up and focuses on objects and creates objects, creates thoughts and ideas as objects. And um, not just thoughts, but whole philosophies. It should be psychologies. I need to have this. Um, critiques. She's not the way she should be. This isn't right. You know, this stuff goes on. And when you see one of those coming, <laughs> you know, you want to be very careful <laughs> when you get one of those should be experiences happening. You can feel it coming up, but that's not, it shouldn't be like that. No, no, wait, wait a minute. That's just careful. Don't let your mind sit on it because it's going to proliferate and whip round and start whipping you. But you do need to engage, but engage in the place of heart, which is we resonate with the distress, not acting on it, not following it, but actually sympathetic to it. Okay, stressful, just can't relax. You'll be okay. You know, and you don't, you don't have to find, you don't have to seek fulfillment in that. You can find fulfillment in the steadying of your own heart. Yeah. So the Buddha explained it quite clearly, although sometimes the language is a little bit difficult because it's so, so cryptic. He says, well, this is how it happens. So with any of the senses, including the mind organ, manas, so manavijnana, the consciousness that is dependent upon this particular uh, object-seeking mind, right? Something is seen or heard or remembered or imagined or um, planned, you know? It's Friday, we're supposed to do this on Friday and then something's gone wrong. You know? So we've got these mental objects by which we fundamentally steer our lives and they're purely mind-created. Yeah. So contact, you touch into, it's Friday morning. Oh, contact. And then it hits. There's a hit. And some kind of feeling arises. I was pleased by that, unpleased by that. Perception, oh, I've got to go to work, or oh, it's great, it's my cousin's birthday, or something of this nature. So it's either agreeable or disagreeable. Perception, it's a meaning, you interpret it. And then what one feels, one perceives, what one perceives, one thinks about. So you've got this idea of it's. Friday, I've got to go to work, and it's that, and I've got to get it done by next Tuesday, and so and so and so and so. Oof. And the mind cascades into agitation and scramble. Or even, oh, it's my cousin's birthday, I'd better buy her this or that, or maybe she won't want this or that. So the mind then proliferates. And as it proliferates, we experience this feeling of being flooded 
by these proliferations. They overwhelm the mind, the heart gets overwhelmed by that. Yeah. And it says, well, if, you know, just take a situation where the mental consciousness and manas vijnana doesn't do that, stops, doesn't create Friday. Yeah. So, you know, because Friday is just an idea. Right? I don't see any Friday. Therefore, there can be no agitation dependent upon that idea because the idea hasn't been created. Right? So, similarly, if we don't have the idea, it should be this way, then you don't get the contact, the feeling, the perception, the proliferations that occur around that mental concept. So saying when there is no mind consciousness, no mind object being created, then you don't get the contact, the feeling, the perception, the proliferation. Now, well, so yeah, but surely we have to have mind contact. This is true, except that the ability to switch it off or to moderate it, yeah. so that you know, we hold these concepts lightly, should be uh, what I like, what I dislike, uh, what I favor. Yeah. We hold them lightly, and so they just yeah, stop. Don't need that one. And so therefore the contact, the mental object doesn't get created. And therefore the proliferation doesn't occur. Now this, when we say that the manas stops, the heart doesn't stop. So there can be this heart or chitta, which is experience silence, openness, soft, it's spacious, it's unrestricted, it's not being agitated because the mental object is not tapping it. Therefore, silence, using that metaphor, using that language. And this is practice, I think, in anybody's life, certainly you know, in even this rather pleasant monastery, there's, my mind is able to see things that I don't like to look at that, aesthetically unpleasing, or chanting's not much good, or uh, I don't understand why we're doing that, or this, that, or the other. And I can sense this moment where the mind has an idea, maybe not a bad idea even, and then it, it wants to stick to that, and actually that is not happening. Uh, wait a minute, about to feel, you're about to get the whip. If you hold onto that, you're about to get the whip crashing down on you again. No. Just, just like this. Stop, open, okay. Now, this doesn't mean as we see in the life of the Buddha, that you don't do anything. It means the center of the action comes from the citta, 
heart sympathy or compassion or clarity these qualities naturally arise because that's the nature of chitta when chitta turns to the conditioned realm it is a quality of sympathy that turns it towards the conditioned realm at least the chitta of the buddha he's not searching for fulfillment in it he's not searching to organizing it but the fundamental inclination is not he doesn't seek stability in that he doesn't seek pleasure in that he doesn't seek an identity in it in seeing sights sounds the world organizations position status he doesn't seek it therefore he can't suffer from it <laughs> not proliferate around it he can't be frustrated by it because he's not buying into it yeah? so the chitta of the buddha free from those underlying tendencies free from views and opinions about how it should be free from trying to seek himself as an identity in that reviews the conditioned realm with a mind of anukampa sympathy resonance and then brings forth these qualities of goodwill compassion sympathetic joy equanimity and those act as the guiding motivations for the buddha's action of clarity and compassion and teaching and verbalization so from the awakened mind you know the primary uh, resonance this is sympathy and then these measureless qualities arise called the measureless goodwill compassion appreciation gladness and equanimity and they act as the background kind of drives you could say drives is a bit too powerful background underlying springs that the buddha moves into the world with and in his clarity is focused based upon those tendencies so it's very much a purely internal motivation rather than something that's being pulled out by searching in the world around you know so we can remember that you know that uh, stopping of the mind doesn't mean the stopping of the heart and the stopping of the mind itself is not uh something that um is a constant but that the mind can be stopped and arrested from fruitless activity so it's put to the service of the purified chitta so it's not receiving those signals of fear or agitation or irritation or frustration therefore it serves uh, you know, it serves what needs to be served and now chitta doesn't need to be served by the mind organ because chitta is contented in itself now how does this come around as we could recognize you know well i mean one of our fundamental meditation practices isn't it is just to keep that manas that organ of the pupil of the mind just steady it doesn't keep fluctuating and roving around we keep it steady in a comfortable way and what you steady it upon doesn't have to be microscopic it could be just something very broad in the visual field uh wide open eyes or the feeling of the body or breathing in and out or the silence 
So it's just something that the, the manas is stopped from this contracting and generating its own objects. And that's your fundamental meditation. And yeah, by and large, people, most minds need a bit more than that. They need some soothing, comforting, you know, because they are depleted, they are undernourished, they are confused. Uh, but they don't need more mental objects, thoughts, ideas, opinions, and I should be this, I should try to concentrate, I should get this, I should be more loving, I should, I should, I should, I should. They need, don't need more of those whipping activities. <laughs> what they need is more the receptive. Can I be more loving towards myself? Can I be more patient? Can I relax the tension in my body? Can I deepen and make my receptivity more fulfilling? And this can be done through body, breathing and out, letting your breath go very deep and slow. So it, it encourages the jitta to soften and widen and deepen. Yeah? And as it does so, as a natural process whereby the agitations and the depletions of the jitta are resolved and it begins to fill with samadhi or metta. Yeah. Fundamentally, it provides a, a comfortable abiding. This is something to practice. You know, and again, just be cautious of making meditation itself into another mental object of manas, getting too stuck in the ideas or the techniques or the goal orientation, uh, because the, the signs you can recognize is a sense of should be, want to be, ought to be, when am I, comparing oneself with others, looking in a book, am I doing it right? These are all the way it's going out. It's going out, it's creating a future and a self. Yeah. Now, when we check that, what we are encouraged to do is form a sympathetic relationship to experience. Here's the agitation, here's the, the dullness. Can I be with this in a way that's sympathetic to it? Yeah. It means it's trying to be like a sympathetic, like a nurse, or sympathetic, like a mother, uh, just holding it carefully and soothing it and steadying it. So then, through this, the chitta is more fulfilled and contented by its own qualities of sympathy and steadiness, and uh, can begin to enrich. One of the features of this. Or one of the processes that's encouraged in various ways called pervasion or suffusion. One pervades the world, one suffuses the world. And this refers to the, the quality when there is a degree of comfort, stability, well-being, goodwill, compassion. We are touching into the qualities of the fruitful chitta. Then the, the, the process, when you've touched into that, then you start to widen it. You bring it so you suffuse, which is a, a process whereby 
you keep steadily and gently widening the sphere the, the sphere or the, the focus of your attention to include more and more of your world so that rather like if we've got a you know a, a tense place in our body you find somewhere that's softer and you begin to massage that and the tension around it begins to dissolve and so gradually you you open up and spreading the quality of goodwill or calm through the entire world which can be your body and it can be your mental world and generally what's recommended is both <laughs> yeah because if your body feels tight and uncomfortable it just uh, doesn't have the resource of the sheer uh, energy uh, to to cultivate energy has to come from the body but naturally it begins to you realize a lot of your experience is not about your body but about your people you have problems with or people you're missing or people you feel dis disappointed by so it has to move out through the psychological world and the emotional world too and so here we're contact but instead of contact being something that's that's whipping the mind, now the contact is turned the other way. So it's jitter contact, heart contact, rather than contact that's <laughs> driven by manas, and the heart contact touching, suffusing. Pusati is the word, pusati touches, such that it's even said that the jitter touches the deathless. It, it moves into it this is its quality it's not conceiving it's actually something like a quality of touch that spreads through your experience and you get so you get a really uh, palpable not conceptual but a palpable experience of release and and uh, an openness and warmth that satisfies and comforts the mind therefore no longer being agitated it doesn't run out no longer being disappointed, it doesn't curl up and huddle. No longer being frustrated, it doesn't get forceful and pushy. Yeah? It doesn't crash down in sorrow and grief. It remains steady in itself. Um, so <laughs> this, is, this is the work, this is the cultivation. Yeah? Uh, and I just think it's beautiful. Uh, you know, and uh, to have this opportunity, you know, when we see the human potential, that in some ways we have the potential for making ourselves extremely miserable. <laughs> and we notice this, you know, in quite affluent countries, extremely miserable and, you know, argumentative and forceful and frustrated and short-tempered and frightened and anxious and depressed this is mind-driven at the same time you can realize the example of a this mendicant living on nothing thin air with a rag robe under a tree feeling the possibility of the of the it's also there you know 
the bright, the, the calm, not being afflicted by sights, sounds, touches, because the mind organ doesn't pick them up and beat you with it. And the mind organ doesn't say, oh, it's not comfortable here and beat you with that. When you sit under a tree, it doesn't fantasize about meditation or <laughs> when you're sitting in a meditation hall, it doesn't fantasize about being under a tree. <laughs> it just doesn't do it. <laughs> it. You trained it to stop doing that. <laughs> and you find that then, then you're not bonded to the world. And uh, this is liberation from the world that brings joy into the world and happiness into the world. So some thoughts for the day and I hope uh, some of that you can um, translate into your own action. Be aware of that tendency for the mind to create options and alternatives and should be's and complaining and frustration and just keep returning. You just have this one moment really of awareness and you have that, that will never be taken from you. To your dying breath, you will have that. The rest of it is very much uncertain, unpredictable. Don't depend upon it. Look after yourself. <laughs> Look after your treasure yeah, and enjoy it. Uh, the quality of bright, open awareness, enjoy it. Um, be watchful for the things that will restrict it. Um, Life can be tough. Don't make it any worse with your mind. <laughs> this is my advice to you. So we'll pause there for this evening. <laughs>